0: Welcome to Your Actives Digital Brief Podcast. This week, we'll be looking at disinformation and the war in Ukraine, and in particular, the alignment between narratives coming out of Russia and China. Earlier this week, EU vs Disinfo, the disinformation analysis project run by the EU's foreign policy body, the European External Action Service, published an overview of China's rhetorical response to the war in Ukraine. It concluded that there are multiple and sometimes contradictory narratives being pushed by state-affiliated media in China, and that these often echo official lines and disinformation coming from the Kremlin. According to EU vs Disinfo's analysis, in the build-up to the war, China questioned the existence of a crisis and was reluctant to acknowledge the invasion once it had been launched. In fact, for the most part, EU versus Disinfo says, state-backed media in China have refrained from using the term invasion at all and have often chosen not to report on atrocities such as the mass killings of civilians recently discovered in Busha. Where they have been covered, the project says, Russian denials or accusations against Ukraine have often been featured. Narratives on the causes of the conflict have also aligned between the two countries. Russia has frequently attributed blame to NATO and the US, arguing that it was pushed into launching an invasion. This narrative, described by EU vs. Disinfo as being borrowed straight from the Kremlin's playbook, has similarly been prominent in Chinese media's discussion of the war. Also featured on state media in China have been conspiracy theories about US-run military biolabs, for instance, and repetitions of the Kremlin line that the invasion was a mission to denazify Ukraine. There hasn't, however, been a total convergence between the approaches of the two countries. EU vs. Disinfo notes that not all of Russia's disinformation narratives have been amplified by China, and that some media have reported more openly on the war. Certain channels have, for example, used the term invasion to describe Russia's actions and have covered global protests against the conflict or reported on heavy Russian losses and the provision of humanitarian assistance. Analysts have noted that while the country has pushed more of a neutral image of itself in western diplomatic circles and hasn't leaned as heavily into disinformation in its media coverage in Europe, domestically and in other regions of the world The narrative being presented by Chinese media and officials is much more aligned with Russia's and there's a much more frequent spread of disinformation. It's not the first time, either, that connections have been drawn between material being shared in Russia and China. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, an overlap between the two was noted in the disinformation trends and techniques being seen on both social media platforms and state-run news outlets. Central to these common narratives are the long-standing links between Chinese and Russian state media outlets. Content sharing agreements that have been in place for several years mean that the presentations of one side are often picked up and repeated by the other. Shortly before the invasion in February, Chinese media were instructed to only use material from official news releases published by a select number of state outlets, which already had these content sharing agreements in place. When it comes to the war, While contrasting statements from EU, US or Ukrainian representatives are sometimes included, much of the coverage on state media in China focuses on Russia's stated position. There has also been significant censorship of discussions of the situation on social media. The accounts of one Chinese YouTuber living in Odessa, for instance, were blocked in China after he posted content showing the situation on the ground. Russian state-backed media have received significant attention since the onset of the war. In the early days of the conflict, a number of global social media platforms moved to restrict access to or label the accounts of government affiliated outlets. And in early March, the EU rolled out unprecedented economic sanctions against Russia Today and Sputnik, banning the broadcasting and distribution of their content within the bloc. Within Russia, The Kremlin has cracked down on the internal messaging around the conflict, banning the use of the terms war, attack and invasion to describe what's unfolding and criminalising the spread of what it calls false information, with a potential penalty of up to 15 years in prison. As a result, many independent and international media outlets have been forced to close their doors, and many journalists have left the country. The move has also hit Chinese-owned firms. TikTok, owned by Beijing-based company ByteDance, decided last month to limit access to its content within Russia in what it said were the interests of the safety of its employees. Speaking to your active this week, Katya Drinhausen, a senior analyst at the Merricks Research Institute, said that at the beginning of the war, the question had been whether China and Russia's alignment was just opportunistic or a result of predefined patterns of cooperation. What's notable, however, she said, is that China has not yet pulled back from this alignment with Russian media, and the question of whether this shift might still be to come remains open. That's all for today's episode, but by signing up for our free Digital Brief newsletter, you can receive a recap of the week's digital politics and policy news in your inbox every Friday. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or Amazon Music.